Louise Bedford here. Just before we kick off with today's show, I wanted to let you know that for one week only, you can get up to 84% off a selection of my most popular trading education products available through tradinggame.com.au. Make no mistake. Your financial future is in your hands. So check out the audios, videos, and study courses that I have available at tradinggame.com.au. Now's your chance to develop your skills as a trader for up to 84% off, but only for the next week. Let's get on with the show. And with good money management, I, I I really was able to settle in and and make a career out of it. Even to this day, Colin, I I sometimes pinch myself and wonder, wow, really? This is how I earn my living. I earn my living trading. I mean, how many people do that? I, it's it's a crazy way that you're able to support yourself as a trader for as many years as I have. Hi, this is Caroline Stephen, and this is Talking Trading. Today, I'm talking to market wizard and charting legend, my friend, Peter L. Brandt. I first interviewed Peter many years ago on Talking Trading, and really, I just love him. He's appeared a few times over the years, and he's one of the nicest people you can meet, as well as being a trading superstar. Jack Schwager has just written and released a new Market Wizard book, and a primary purpose of the book was to share Peter's trading story. So Peter is now a Market Wizard, as well as being a renowned classical chartist. Peter has been trading the markets for over six decades, and any opportunity of tapping into his market wisdom I find invaluable. Today with Peter, we talk about his trading specifics and how his trading plan is simple, almost to a fault. And next week, we'll speak with him on the psychology of trading. It's an absolute delight to have Peter on the podcast again. This interview is also available on our YouTube channel. If you go to youtube.com forward slash trading game. But first, here's a quick word from the Wees Bedford on trading resources and then we'll go to Peter Brandt. I'm so often asked, what type of resources do I need to really get going in the markets as a professional? You see, it's really good to start with the end in mind. If you know that you want trading to be a significant part of your life and your income stream, you need to start professionally. You really need to harness the skills and the attributes of people who have gone before you, who have been successful. And that way they will shortcut your entire process. The first thing I'd do is to start with some really good books. I would start with Trading Secrets, Charting Secrets and The Art of Trading. All of those books are available on special at the moment through tradinggame.com.au and the shop there. And it's called The Mentor Program Foundation Book Pack. Now, it's essential even if you're not going to do the mentor program that you read those three books. They will give you the basis of your entry, your exit, 
and your position sizing, which really is the core of your trading system. So with all of that, that will give you enough to give you a bit of a dip into the water of trading to see if this is for you. And if it is, then there are other resources on that site to be able to help. Now, I just want to say a big thank you to everybody who has been recommending the Talking Trading podcast. We just love all of your suggestions for new episodes and new people to come onto the show. Caroline spends so much of her time investigating your leads and finding the absolute top, top quality resources for you so that you can revel in this journey. We have had on Market Wizards, we have had on Spectacular traders, brokers, people who really are the bee's knees when it comes to trading effectively. And we want to keep that going. So if there's anybody that you think would be a fantastic guest on the show, you can email me louise at tradinggame.com.au and we will cherish each suggestion. So until we next speak, spread the word, tell your friends that talkingtrading.com.au is the best podcast for people in the markets and people who want to improve their wealth mindset. It is my great pleasure today to introduce you to Market Wizard and classical chartist Peter L. Brandt. Peter Brandt, hello and welcome back to Talking Trading. It's good being back with you, my friend. It's it's always fun being on your program. I I always enjoy it. I look forward to it. You're you're, I think I've done more with you than anyone. Mainly because I like doing interviews with you. I have uh, I can have fun with you, and you laugh about it. Thank you, Peter. Let's go back to the beginning. How did you get your start trading? I lived in Chicago. I was in a different business. I was in the advertising business. Uh, I, I knew a man who, whose child was in youth sports with mine. He was a trader at the Chicago Board of Trade. I didn't know anything about commodity trading. I, I knew, you know, I was in my mid, you know, mid to early to mid twenties. I didn't know anything about finance, and he invited me down to see what he did at the Chicago Board of Trade, and. I, I went down and I had lunch with them on the fifth floor overlooking the fourth floor trading pits at the Chicago Board of Trade. And I was absolutely captivated. And I'm going, whoa, people make their love living doing this? You're kidding me. And uh, he invited me down a couple more times. I started reading about it. Uh, I, I became familiar, got a little bit familiar with what it was because I knew nothing at the, at the beginning. But I, I just really felt like it was calling my name. You know, I, I, I felt like that there, there was a connection here. The idea that I could go, I could know at the end of the day exactly how I did. It wasn't like a corporate job where you really never knew. You didn't have to sit in meetings. You didn't have to write memos. You didn't have to, uh, you, you, you didn't have to say nice things to people you really didn't mean. And, uh, and not only that, it, these guys started their job at 9.30 in the morning. So I was just captivated by the fact that people did this for a living. Wow, this was really cool. And uh, and so I I, I told the, the head of the advertising agency, and at the time it was the fourth or fifth largest advertising agency in the world handling just wonderful, wonderful, huge accounts like McDonald's and Campbell's Food Company and 
Godiva chocolate. And uh, I told him I'm going to quit and I'm going to go down and I'm going to become a trader. And if I wash out in a year, will they hire me back for a raise? And uh, Dick Needham, who is one of the founders of the advertising agency, said, yeah, of course we will. So, you know, I kind of had the freedom to fly. You know, I had plan B. I had a young family. But, you know, when you're in your 20s, you know, you're fearless. You, you don't think about failure. You know, those things don't cross your mind. You know, I, I just never thought about the, the fact that I wasn't going to make it as a trader. And uh, so I went down and it took me a number of years to learn. Actually, it took me probably four years to learn the ropes, learn how to trade, try to figure out how you do this. Um, in the meanwhile, I happened to bring in some really big customers to the grain company I was with. And so uh, I was earning some commissions as a customer's man in the process. And so it wasn't like I was completely starving. Uh, I had some commission income that was coming in from these customers that were doing their grain business with the company I was with, which was Continental Grain Company. And, uh, and, and so I had a little bit of floor underneath me. I was earning a little bit of living doing this. My goal was to eventually be on my own, to be a trader, to break off, to start my own trading company and to no longer work for the grain company. That was where I wanted to go. I knew that the minute I, I, I went to the Board of Trade. And it took a while. You know, it took me a couple of years to really understand the grain business, the commodity business. Uh, it took me a couple of years to figure out the whole business of trading, how I wanted to trade. I wiped out a few accounts along the way. Uh, but eventually gained some traction. Uh, probably about four years into the process, I, I started gaining some confidence. And about the, the fifth year, I, I felt I was, I was good. I, I quit working for the grain company. I went off on my own. I grub staked at my company. And uh, I think I got lucky with the first couple of trades and the, less, you know, the rest was history. I, I, I look back and I you know, I, I had some really good people that mentored me. I, I'm not sure I would have made it without the help of people who really showed me the ropes and helped me understand some of the things about the business. And the, the markets back then were, were wonderful markets. We had very, very good markets back at that period of time. And so we had strong trending markets. It was, it was capable to catch some moves and, and do well. And so I came out of the blocks and it was a wonderful time to, to actually start off. And um, you know, I was able to achieve early success and I was able to solidify that early success and, and with good money management, I, I, I really was able to settle in and, and make a career out of it. Even to this day, Colin, I, I sometimes pinch myself and wonder, wow, really? This is how I earn my living? I earn my living trading? I mean, how many people do that? I, it's, it's a crazy way that you're able to support yourself as a trader for as many years as I have, you know, I, Go back to the 1970s, 80s, 90s, 2000s, 2010s, and now 2020s. So, you know, I've been a trader in six different decades, and uh, I still love trading, so I still trade. But it's been it's been a good ride. Still captivates you. It does. Uh, I got to say that, you know, sometimes when markets are a little bit more challenging, it doesn't captivate me to the same extent. <laughs> uh, I mean, obviously, it's better to have fun in good markets than it is when the markets are challenging. Markets have been a little challenging for me. 
Uh, this isn't, you know, I'm, I'm profitable for the year, but it's not a stellar year. And, you know, with COVID and the market volatility that we've had and some choppy markets and the markets that I like to trade, especially in foreign exchange, you know, it's been a challenging year. So, you know, obviously it's easier for me after I've had a good week or month or a couple months to say, boy, I'm really having fun than it is, you know, when when you're kind of scraping along and treading water, uh, uh, looking out for sharks that are swimming below you. But, uh, but yeah, by and large, I'd rather be doing this and collecting stamps or playing golf. But not pickleball. But Can not we... pickleball. <laughs> Peter, could you describe for listeners your approach to trading? Yeah, it's a pretty easy approach. Uh, I mean, it, it, it's simple almost to a fault. Uh, I'm a chartist. I, I pay attention to price charts. I don't pay attention to what people call indicators. I, I have really uh, stochastics and MACD and uh, all of these other things. I, I just don't have time for them in my life. They're too complicated for me. You know, I, I just, I avoid them. Uh, I, I do use a moving average, a simple moving average, but I don't use it in a systematic way. I use it as a proxy for a trend. You know, I, I don't believe in trend lines. And so even though I'm a chartist, I, I don't hold a lot of faith in trend lines. And so I just use some simple moving averages as a way to say you know, the market is trending higher or the market is trending lower. And so I, I'm a classical chartist based on Edwards and McGee and Richard W. Schaubacher, the early writers of it. And I really don't look at all patterns. I look for rectangles and I look for head and shoulders pattern patterns and I look for right angle triangles or what some people would call them descending or ascending triangles. I look for patterns that, that take anywhere from eight to 26 weeks to form. Mm. Uh, I, I, I'm not a day trader. I don't look at hourly charts. I, I look at daily charts. I look at weekly charts. And if I don't see a pattern on a weekly chart, I, that, 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 that's my starting point. So I have to see a pattern on a weekly chart. And it has to be one of the patterns that, that are patterns that I trade. It has to be clear. And if there's any doubt about what it is, I cross it off my list. And so, you know, I'm really looking for 50 trades a year spread out over, oh, probably 50 stocks and 50 different commodities and 20 different Forex pairs. And, and, you know, I'm looking for these patterns and I wait for a breakout. And when we get a breakout by a certain margin, uh, I, I go with it and I cross my fingers and I put a, a protective stop in. Uh, and, you know, I'm, I hope that, you know, out of 50 trades, I can get seven or eight trades that, that work. I can make a living on seven or eight profitable trades in a year. Are you still trading Bitcoin? I still am definitely trading. It's my largest position right now, as a matter of fact. There was an Italian uh, philosopher statistician by the name of uh, Vilfredo Pareto. And it's the Pareto Principle. And the Pareto Principle is you know, 20% of events produce you know, 80% of the outcome. And so uh, I really am a believer of the Pareto principle when applied to trading that, you know, 15% of my trades have produced 85% of my profits. 
my job is to be able to stay with those trades and allow them to become part of the 15% and to try to reduce the damage of the 85% of the trades. Because I could have the 15% make money, Carolyn, but if the 85% wipe out all the profits, well, I'm back to the starting gate. And so uh, uh, I really need to have the 85% break even with small losses and a few large, you know, a few smaller uh, gains. And so somehow I need to have the 85% of those trades wash each other out so the 15% can produce my bottom line. And, uh, you know, I, I, I do that primarily by, by, again, looking for very, very specific patterns. I, I trade setups. I don't trade what some people would call narratives. I don't create some grand narrative that if crude oil does this, then the U.S. dollar will do that, and interest rates will do that, and the stock market will do that. That, that reminds me a little bit of watching a dog chasing its tail. Uh, it's, it's, it's every time it's going to get close to the tail, the tails are going to move away from them. And so I, I have no interest in doing that. I have no interest in these grand scenarios and narratives. And I trade very specific setups and they either work or in most cases they don't work. What markets do you trade? Uh, I look at Bitcoin. Uh, I don't look at what all these people call altcoins, I don't believe in them, frankly. I think most of them are going to become worthless. So why would I trade something that's going to become worthless? Uh, I trade the, the currencies, and, and there I trade U.S. dollars against the majors. You know, Aussie, New Zealand, uh, yen, euro currency, Canadian, um, Swiss franc, British pound. And then, and so I'll trade major majors, and I just trade some major minors, U.S. dollar or Norway, or I don't trade the exotics. And then I trade all commodity markets. If, it, if there's a commodity market that's viable, and that's the Singapore exchange, the Tokyo exchange, the, uh, Australia, you know, the ASX, um, uh, European, and so there's probably about 30 to 40 futures contracts that I look at, and that's my first love. I, I love leveraged markets. Um, you know, that that's my bread and butter. Describe your day trading for us. Give us a snapshot into a day in a life of Peter Brandt behind his computer. Um, I've always woken up with Europe only because I was a trader and I traded Forex. And so, you know, when you're a trader and you trade Forex, you, you tend to live your day based on what's going on in Europe. And so, you know, I'm usually up at 4, 4.30. For, wow. you know, that's on the desert. So we're mountain, stand, we're mountain time here. We're a mountain state. And, um, you know, I look at the orders. I, I don't actually consider myself a trader. I consider myself an order enterer. I, you know, that's my job is to enter orders. Um, and I enter all my orders uh, or look at the orders and make any revisions to the orders. Uh, I, I use good till canceled orders that are open, you know, open orders. Uh, and I enter my orders or revise my orders usually around 5 o'clock. PM in my time, 
between four and five. And by five, I'm done. And I don't really pay attention then to markets, you know, this time of the day. I mean, they're either going to, I don't want to pay much attention to the markets. And so, you know, when the day opens, I, uh, in early in the morning, I'll kind of take a look at my orders again. I look what happens overnight. Uh, do I need to make any changes to orders? And usually not. You know, at any given time, I might have anywhere from four to seven, maybe eight positions on. And those, for the most part, are going to either be gone in two days because they're losses or they're going to be profits and I'll stay with them. Um, maybe I'll put on one or two trades in a week, new trades in a week. Um, and I try to then get busy during the day. I don't want to pay attention to the markets during the day because I'll, I'll come and I'll start watching the, the, the screen blank and prices change. And, uh, you know, I'll allow myself to sabotage myself. And, you know, I want to remove... I want to remove myself from the emotion of, of price discovery. You don't look like a self-sabotager. You don't sound like a self-sabotager. Oh, I think we all are. Uh, I mean, I've never met a trader who wouldn't find a new creative way to sabotage themselves. And so my job is to keep my my inner demons as far away from the, the clicking enter on <laughs> order as I possibly can. Uh, you know, I'm, I, I don't want to enter a lot of trades. I don't want to do a lot of trading. I want to minimize the number of trading events that, that I, I can have. And so, you know, I'll trade any given market anywhere from zero times in a year to maybe in the case of gold where we've had real active markets, you know, dating back to really June of last year. Uh, you know, I probably traded gold six times in that period of time because we've had real active markets. And, uh, and so, you know, I want to try to find trades that, that, you know, that'll, that'll run for a while. And I, 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 I don't want a day trade. I, 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 I want to be able to keep a position. My goal is how can I get a position on that I don't have to take off right away. You know, the only reason I'd, I would day trade is if I had a loss. And so I'd enter an order and it would trap me. I got, I got, you know, it trapped me in. Uh, it was a false breakout and it reverses during the day. And as a general rule, I don't like taking losses home. I don't like having losses when I go to, when I go to bed at night, I don't like having a position that's showing red ink. So I may make a decision once I see the markets close and I can look at that at four o'clock and you have the reopenings here. You know, markets are really only S&P futures, for instance, you know, they're only closed for a few minutes and then they reopen. You know, all the markets I trade pretty much to trade for the most part around the clock, and, but they have a closing price. You know, there's a close in the afternoon that they use to settle the market and, and, uh, uh, and so if I notice that the market's a loser, um, you know, I'll wait for the reopening and, you know, I'll probably cover the position or put in a stop that's extremely close and not allow it to go against me anymore. I mean, my job is to take, my job is really to take losses. Uh, I, I mean, I'm, I'm paid to take small losses. 
Mm. You know, and some people get offended by losses. Why would I be offended by losses, Carolyn? My job is to take losses. <laughs> so why would that be offensive to me? Uh, you know, that's what I get paid to do is take small losses because profits generally have a way of growing and taking care of themselves. And so if I can really superintend and, and guard and guard the gate against big losses by taking just small losses, you know, that's when Velfredo Pareto, uh, it really can pay dividends for me is I'm, I'm going to find that 10 to 15% of my trades that work that from day one and they work day two and they work day three and they don't look back for a month or two. And that's all for today on Talking Trading. Make sure that you tune in next week to listen to part two of Market Wizard Peter Brandt's interview as we talk more on the emotional aspects of trading. I'm Caroline Stephen. Take care. As always, if you like this show, please be sure to tell a friend. You can also subscribe on Apple Podcast and make sure you give us a big fat five-star review. You'll also notice that Talking Trading doesn't use sponsors and barely advertisers. This is because Chris Tate and Louise Bedford fund this show from tradinggame.com.au. If you'd like to get Louise's five-part free e-course, register at tradinggame.com.au. So until next week, happy trading. The views represented on Talking Trading are general in nature and do not take into account your objectives, financial situation or needs. Before acting on any of the information, consider its appropriateness in regards to your own situation.